in preparation for today's message, we shall be reading from the letter to the Galatians, chapter 4, verses 12 to 20. That's Galatians chapter 4, verses 12 to 20. If you have your Bibles with you, please open them in that portion of Scripture and join me in reading God's Word. Let's all rise in reverence to the Word of God. Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? Then they make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out, that you may make much of them. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose. And not only when I am present with you, my little children, for whom I am again in anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. Praise God for the reading of his word. We may now be seated. Pleasant good morning to all of you. It is good to see many of us come back to church. Pandemic was a time where most of us stayed at home, and some still wanted to come, and uh, we thank the city for allowing us 25%. Now we're at 50%, I believe, and some of you have come back. And we pray that others would return too. It just surprises me how some would not go to church to cite the reason that it's safer at home. But I saw them at the rally. I saw them at the rally when people were shoulder to shoulder, unafraid of their safety. And some of them I see in the groceries, boldly lining up with very little uh, and picking out uh, uh, goods unafraid. So please, do not give me that reason. I'm not a little child that you can fool, all right? But God bless you. I love you as your pastor. Yet consider this a joking rebuke. Paul's anguish, Galatians chapter 4, verses 12 to 20. Paul appealed to the Galatians to follow his example. He was a dedicated Jew. Paul was a dedicated Jew. That was before he understood who Christ was. But now, during the time of the letter, Paul believes that justification is by faith alone through Christ. Paul lived free of the law, which enslaved him. These were his words. 
after expressing his deep concern for the Galatians, Paul spoke to them about their shared experience. If you read the earlier verses, he was showing deep concern. What happened to you? And uh, you could feel in the tone of his voice, on the tone of his writing, that there was that disappointment, yet that deep concern, like you would hear from a father. And he was like a father to them, although he did not ask anybody to call him father. You see, there's a difference when you start asking people or allowing people to call you father versus you just treat them with loving, with a loving heart like your children. Now, after expressing his deep concern for the Galatians, Paul spoke to them about something that happened to both of them. How they helped him during a crisis and how they received him as a messenger of God. This text, verses 12 to 20, was to remind them on that personal level which they experienced. After he proclaimed the gospel, they welcomed him. And you know that Paul, Paul's condition, and many have theorized that maybe he's sick with something bodily. I think it's obvious in the text we've read. But whether it came from those beatings, because he got beaten every now and then. He gets stoned to death every now and then, but yet he's still alive. Um, it's probably, I would say probably, it's highly that it came from those beatings, these bodily ailments that he was feeling. Now, my first point is Paul's appeal. Paul reminded them of when he first proclaimed the gospel to them. The Galatians welcomed him, even though he was suffering. Perhaps he was disfigured or he wasn't appealing to look at. Now, perhaps they were tempted to reject him, but instead they cared for and respected him. Let's read verses 12 to 14. Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. Or if you allow me to paraphrase, when you say an angel of God before, it also meant messenger. As a messenger of God, and as if Christ Jesus, although he knew he was not Christ Jesus, but the Lord himself said, whoever welcomes his servants in his name, as if they welcomed him. And uh, as when welcoming Paul, as if they welcomed the Lord Jesus Christ, although Paul is not Christ. And you would see that even in some parts of, of Matthew that 
if you help the least of your brothers as if you did it to me. Christ was teaching us that, as if we do it to Christ. That's why when we serve one another, we don't serve one another just because of serving one another. We know that as we serve the body of Christ, we are serving Christ himself. So, uh, Paul asked if their hospitality and care meant nothing. You helped me. You received the message I gave you. Is that for nothing now? Why would you now believe these people and you know, I feel you're far from me right now. You have allowed them to come between us. Where is our relationship that was built because of the gospel? That was what he was saying. And uh, like us here, I would say, if we do have a relationship that develops, it is because of the gospel. It is not just because we spent so much time with one another and we learned to like one another. Well, that's part of it, but that's not the main thing. Our commitment to one another as a church community is because of the gospel of Christ. It should be nothing less than that. Therefore, if one of us starts believing a false gospel, we must desire to correct one another, to correct such a person. But it is also to warn, warn such a person that what? That, hey, have you abandoned Christ already? And in a manner of speaking, I should say, if one believes in a false teaching and remains stubborn, then it would be clear that what? then what of our relationship? It cannot be that strong. My relationship with you right now is me trying to reach you out for the Lord. And that is it. Because some people would value their friendship even though the friendship has led to false teaching and to bad influence. Friends, be very careful with that. Paul was revealing, was sharing to them what happened to them before and what, did, what bound them. It was the gospel of Christ. Let me just go segue. This is not in the sermon, but let me segue because this might be an important thing because I, one of the questions for me yesterday when I have this young men's meeting was about who you should be with. Because uh, in Corinthians, Paul said, bad company corrupts good character. And he also said, get away from among them. Uh, what partnership has a non-Christian with a Christian? Paul was saying rhetorically, none. There should be none. So in a manner of saying, so I'd like to say, we connect ourselves like Jesus he connected himself with what? The tax collector, even the prostitute, and all the sinners. For what purpose? That he may call them to repentance. That he may call them to himself to follow him. Why do we connect with a non-believer or those who do not believe in the gospel? To call them to Christ. To call them to repentance. 
And uh, I am exposed every day, or not necessarily every day, but a lot of times to such people being in business and being part of organizations like the academe, yet I have to watch myself carefully. The bond that we have is because we recall that both of us, somebody proclaimed the gospel to us. It's different, the one who proclaimed the gospel to me may be different from you, but it included the suffering, death, and resurrection of Christ. And there was a call to faith. Of course, many of us have shared a similar experience of what was added. You will follow this prayer and you will be saved. That now we found out that's not necessarily in Scripture. But a call, a deep call from the heart to the Lord shall be saved. And that should be a real call from within. It's not... Follow me, and if you pray that sincerely, bless you, you are saved. I don't see Jesus doing that. I don't see the apostles doing that in the book of Acts. It's a call to faith, a call to believe in what? Him. Who Christ is and what He has done and the significance of that. And if we believe in that, and if we follow Him, we do not follow our ways. No longer me that lives, but Christ who lives in me. No longer what I believe, but what Scripture reveals to us. Now, Paul was using, first he taught the doctrine, reminded them of the doctrine. Then he used the personal experience, the shared experience. Take note that it was first doctrine before shared experience. Kung tatagalugin ko, hindi pwedeng mauna yung pakikisama. Kailangan mauna yung doktrina. I hope that is clear. That is clear. Even among us, it should first be the doctrine, the teaching of who Jesus is and what He has done. And that He called us to proclaim repentance everywhere to all nations. And knowing that it is justification by faith, that we are saved. Now, Paul was asking, have I become your enemy by telling the truth? Now, can we move to verse 15 and 16 as well? Let's read verse 15 and 16. What then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? And that is, well, first let's look. The verse 15 is, some believe that his bodily ailment was something about his eyes. Okay? And, uh, and your care for me that if possible, you would give me your eyes. That if possible, that's how much you cared for me. And that's how much you received me. Then the, the question, have I then become your enemy? Have I become your enemy by telling the truth? I hope when you hear a preacher or a servant of the Lord tell the truth from Scripture, whether it's a growth group leader or a friend, 
and your friend can is a servant of God that God might be using to show you the scriptures so that we will believe what we must believe and maybe reform our ways then you, we have to treat such people as servants of God. But if you treat those who try to correct you as your enemy, then you are what the proverb says, the fool. The fool does not like to be corrected. It hates correction. When a brother or a growth group leader or a pastor comes to us, and tells us about the gospel and what we must adjust in our minds and what we must adjust in our ways, we have to welcome them still as a messenger of God. Yes, your friend that you hang out with can be God's messenger at one time. Maybe yesterday, maybe three weeks from now. They could be God's messenger to you without them knowing it. Because God works in mysterious ways. And He sometimes uses different elements in the world to communicate with us. To bring us or remind us of His message. So have I become your enemy by preaching the truth? We have made it a policy here that we will preach expositionally and chronologically. Because there's topical exposition and there's chronological exposition. We're starting from, we're learning a book and we're going through it verse by verse, line by line, and trying to understand it. What is one good reason for that? We'll have to go through everything. We won't nitpick. And sometimes some verses are very difficult to preach because it's very strong. Now, there are preachers like it was, we were warned in, uh, through Paul's letter to Timothy that in the last days, there will be teachers who will what? Only speak what you want to hear, to tickle your ears. Because some churches have become accustomed to just encouragement. The pastor should be encouraging. And it should always be a positive message. And if it's not a positive message, I don't want to attend. Paul was correcting them. Paul preached the truth and somebody st stood between them. Those who were teaching, yes, it is by faith, but you need to add the good works of the law. And they also tried to damage Paul's reputation as an apostle. Ah, he's not a real apostle. So Paul was asking these Galatians whom he truly treated as his children, have I become your enemy? Now we live in a world where people are easily offended. It's a new generation. And I thought my generation was so sensitive. Then it just kept getting worse because it was being tolerated. Because we don't want people to feel bad. Up to the point that not feeling bad is now an entitlement. So people lose the value of, of real rewards. 
Next, Paul warned about the false teachers or exposed them. Paul exposed the false teachers who tried to win the Galatians. They seemed friendly, but their intentions were not good, which was to separate them from Paul. There was nothing wrong with them being nice if there was a good reason. Now, he's saying, no, this is how, how people work, the manipulative people work. Since they envy your friendship with that person, they'll divide it. Or they have a different agenda. In this case, the Judaizers had an agenda to proclaim their own gospel, which is different from Paul, which is not really different but an adjustment. But Paul would not receive this adjustment. So what did they do? They created a rift separating these Paul and the Galatians, and these Judaizers tried to win them over. They were being nice to them. And sometimes that's what people do. They will be nice to you so that you will be separated from the ones that truly should influence you because such may have envy, such may have an agenda, a purpose. It's that part where you have to destroy somebody's reputation and this person will believe you and then you are indeed, should be exposed as a manipulator like these Judaizers. And it comes with a whisper, a little doubt. Why is she like that? It's just a little. And it keeps increasing and increasing until you are so poisoned in your mind. But what you didn't know, the other person already had poison in their minds. And those who have poison in their minds cannot help but poison others as well. So what do you do first? Make sure you don't have poison. What's poison? I don't want to share to you when I feel bad about somebody else. I cannot. Because that's between me and this person, and I have to settle it between us. And it should be settled if that were the case. But if I have to involve you so I have more security, who would agree with me, and that's the point. You're trying to be secure. You want people to agree with you to prove this person wrong. That's not how it works. And here, we don't like that here. It destroys a church. That's why in the micro level, if I spot it, I try to break it. Don't think that way. We are all wretched sinners saved by grace, all gradually improving in sanctification. That's the story. You're messed up. I agree with you. I'm also messed up in some areas, maybe not your area. God is all working in us. But do we make excuses? No excuses. If we sin, we need to repent. No excuse. But no judgment of I'm holier than you. I'm better than you. No spite of looking down on you because you did this. That cannot exist. We're all wretched sinners saved by grace alone. That's why please do not magnify the small stuff. Don't major on the minors. Let's not do that. Verse 17 and 18. They make much of you. What does that mean? Well, they, they're nice to you. But for no good purpose. What's their purpose? 
They want to shut you out that you may make much of them. They want to shut you out so that you will value them more. And these are the people sometimes who want a following to themselves instead of a following to Christ. We cannot build a following to ourselves, Christian leaders or not, but a following to Him, always. Now, there's a danger if you think the people you're handling are your people. They're not yours. They belong to the Lord. Of course, you must protect these people from false teaching, but they still belong to Him. Always. They want to shut you out that you may make much of them. Verse 18, it is always good to be made much of. It's okay to receive kindness from others or good things from others, but for a good purpose. So let's not stop doing goodness and kindness towards each other, but not to manipulate each other, but not to get something that you want. It's just for the sake of blessing in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. But if there's something you want, you have to be upfront and open with it. Like yesterday, I was with a good brother, and we were thinking of ways on how to do ministry together, and I was directly open, what do you want? So I'll tell you what I want. Nothing hidden. And we both agreed, nothing hidden. All agendas up front. So I can help you achieve that, and you can help me achieve what I want. And if what we both want has a harmony, then maybe we can work together. It's not leaving this out because this person might think this, or this person might reject the idea, so I won't share it first. Then you do nice things. You say the nice words so that you can get what you eventually want. These are dangerous people. If you're that, please stop. Stop. Now, in the gospel, most especially, nothing should come between those who believe in a more accurate gospel through context study. Nothing should separate us if we truly believe in what Scripture says, nothing more, nothing less. We should be bound even more. So we do not allow people who tell stories shut us down. It was always good to be made much of for a good purpose and not only when I am present with you or not only when I'm connected with you because they won't be nice to you if I didn't preach the gospel to you. They wouldn't be trying to... No, they, they don't, didn't care who you were. In fact, they want to enslave you again with the law that they are enslaved in till now. That's what they want to do. The Judaizers tried to win the Galatians by preaching another gospel and discrediting Paul. If the Judaizers wanted to be nice, they should consistently do it, not only because they wanted to separate Paul from them. And now I'd like to share to you a special focus, because this is seldom touched on by many, but I want to focus on it. I have no choice. I have to pass through the verses. Pain of labor. 
Paul expressed his anguish as if, he, as if he was experiencing the pain of giving birth until Christ was formed in the Galatians. Paul longed to visit them in person and hopefully change his very firm tone. Let's read verse 19. Listen carefully. My little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Now he reveals what he feels within. And this is a true shepherd. A true shepherd is so concerned about what the people believe. And because he was being cut off from them, and aside from that, they are entertaining a different gospel and said that my little children, for whom I am again in the anguish. Another version is I am once again in travail of childbirth. There was pain. This is actually labor. like a woman giving birth. And a woman giving birth, hearing the stories, for I am not an authority there, but hearing the stories for our, from our mothers, what they went through, some, so many hours of waiting, laboring, some in anguish and pain. Well, medical science has helped us a bit here. But imagine it during their time. And I've heard of stories when mothers were giving birth, they were actually shouting at their husbands, why did you do this to me? Uh, now, put that on the emotional level, not just the physical level. Paul was saying, that Christ be formed in you. What does that mean, Christ be formed in you? He was not talking about character here. He was talking about the belief in the accurate gospel, in the genuine gospel. That's the context. We often look at this as the context as that you may mature morally. Oh, that's included later. We'll discuss that when we get to chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit, that if you truly walk in the Spirit, if you truly have faith in Him, you will manifest, you will have the fruit of the Spirit. And that is being Christ-like. This is about their belief. I am in anguish. And if you are not, and you think it's okay to believe anything, a little inaccuracy, a little change is okay. Don't worry about it. Ah. No, 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 no. You have become too callous to be so accepting with everybody. Because you grew up in that culture and doctrine, and you think it's normal. It's not. Now, if the church, if the members of God's people understand this when they reach out to somebody, that when they pray, they would feel that anguish, from within, they would wrestle in prayer as if in their prayers they're giving birth as if they were laboring. Not just a dear Lord, save him, amen. 
down, but deep in their private prayer closets, they would come before the Lord and be in pain and anguish within. Through his letter, Paul tried to protect them from a distorted gospel. Although he cherished his relationship with them, what brought him anguish was their belief in a distorted gospel, which was what? Yeah, by faith plus works. That was the context. In our context, any addition, any subtraction, we must be deeply concerned about it. Application one, gospel and relationships. Paul appealed to the Galatians to become like him, who was free of the Mosaic law. He also reminded the Galatians of their kindness when Paul proclaimed the gospel. Let us live the gospel and remind others, including the bonds that were formed. Although we may appeal to relationships, let us prioritize the gospel as revealed in God's word. Let us persuade and appeal to others who may have entertained some distortions of the gospel. Next, false teachers exposed. Paul exposed the false intentions of the false teachers. They were friendly with the intention to make the Galatians believe in the distorted gospel and to separate them from Paul. Beware of all who distort the gospel, even a little bit. Beware. Let us protect the flock from whisperers and gossips who try to reject all sound doctrine. Let us train the flock to be sharp, to detect inaccurate statements, especially regarding the gospel. We should not let false gospels separate us. And lastly, travail. Let us pray earnestly and labor wholeheartedly that Christ and his gospel would be fully formed in ourselves, our family members, and churchmates. Let us intensify our labor like who is a woman or like a woman who is giving birth. Our hearts must anguish for all who heard the gospel yet fall away from the Holy Scriptures. Let us labor in prayer and teach our community about God's Word and how to study God's Word. That's why it's a big deal for us whether you know what the gospel is. So if we ask you or somebody asks you, what is the gospel? It's very important that you know what it is. And if you ask you, what is Paul fighting against? What false gospel is he fighting here? It's a gospel with a little distortion. But how do you, in our day, how is it applied? Well, there are religions that say, yes, have faith in him, plus good works, and you need to earn points or more good works so that you can enter heaven. It's not our works. It's his work. We need to have faith in him, not ourselves, faith in him. Not believe in yourself, but believe in him. Today, we are concerned about those who remove repentance, and Paul dealt with that in the book of Romans. When he says, shall we continue sinning because of the grace of God? Certainly not. 
we are concerned with a gospel without repentance. Now, some of you might say, I don't see repentance in Galatians. You have to assume that the writer was Paul. And Paul, when he faced King Agrippa in the book of Acts, he said, the places I went, again, I'm paraphrasing, what did he preach? He also told this to the crowd who was, who was, uh, who, who, who was a mob who was against him. And he was saying, in the places that he went, he consistently proclaimed repentance and faith. Is there a difference between the two? Almost none. Because repentance is a change of mind. And faith is believing in him, not yourself. What is a change of mind? It's a change of mind that he is the one. He is truth. And I am not and the world is not. So people say, theologians say, repentance and faith they are like twins or they are like husband and wife. They are one, yet two seemingly different definitions, but they are one. It's not the perfect statement, though, but it's the closest we can get. So if you hear the word repent without the word faith, you understood that faith is incorporated there. And when you hear the word have faith in him or believe in him, you have to assume it's incorporated there. Somebody said to me, in John, in the book of John, the, the word repentance is not there. It's there in a different form. If you look at John 3, 16, you go to 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. It's there. What does it say? Those who do not believe do the, word, the deeds of darkness. It means they did not repent. Because if you truly believe, you do not do the deeds of darkness. I give you a poem that I entitled Heart's Anguish. Travail from deep within the soul, like labor in birth told by Paul, until Christ is formed within you, until Christ is formed within you. Christ formed in you, what does it mean? The gospel, one must be so keen not diluted nor distorted, only the truth is supported. Never let anything separate. Stay with those who are accurate and step away from the careless, those who speak words that are reckless. Anguish for the soul like in birth, we labor because of its worth until Christ is formed in you, until Christ is formed in you. Let us all rise. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your word and your message. And allow us to fully understand what the writer felt. For you inspired the writer, and to us it is your word. You inspired Paul to write, to address the situation. And he was in labor, he was in travail, he was in anguish like in childbirth. Christ is formed in the Galatians. And he felt, he was afraid that he might have labored in vain. And Lord, sometimes we feel that. Sometimes we feel that as your workers. Oh, that Christ be formed in us. That Christ be formed in us. That Christ be formed in our family members, our growth group mates. 
our classmates, our office workers, office mates, people we work with, that Christ be formed in us. That we may believe in the suffering, death, and resurrection. And that we understand its significance and meaning. That all would come to repentance and faith in Him. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Spirit be with you all. God's people say, Amen. God bless you.